Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Victory. We're so glad that you're here today. Hey, following our Easter services, a number of people gave their heart to Christ at Easter time and prior to that. And so during our worship, we have the privilege of baptizing 18 people this morning during worship. Isn't that great? Amen. These are people who have decided to take the next step in their relationship with Jesus to follow him with all their heart. We are so happy about that. So we're going to have you stand right now across the auditorium for worship. We're going to pray. And listen, as they baptize each person and they take them down and bring them back up in newness of life, would you just in the middle of worship, just for each one, give them a great round of applause. They'll have a chance to hear it and they'll know you're behind them, praying for them and supporting them in their new walk with Jesus. Well, Lord, we dedicate this day to you. It belongs to you. God, we pray that you would work in each one of our lives. God, that you would just do something special in transforming us to become the men and women of God that you've called us to be. We pray for all 18 of these that are being baptized, that are taking this next step with you. God, that you would lead them and guide them and pour into their lives and use them in a mighty way to build the kingdom of God. God, we dedicate this day to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say it, amen. Would you join us in worship this morning? Hey, good morning, Victory Church. Y'all are feeling it this t- today, aren't you? I- I'm just sitting here listening to you sing uh, 18, 17, 18 people baptized. Man, that's something to rejoice about. I don't know if he's in the room or if he's still drying off, but my man with the green hair, you were feeling it. He walked out, looked into the camera, and I started crying, started tearing up like, man, God's got a hold of this joker. Listen, it is always an honor and a privilege uh, to fill this, this pulpit. Every time pastor calls me or the team calls me, I just look at him. I'm like, are you sure you got the right number? You positive? You, you want me to come back? And because uh, he, he's not just my pastor, he's my friend, he's my mentor, and uh, pastor, I know you're with your mom right now, but can we just breathe a prayer right now for this situation? Let's just go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know what's going on, and we just lift up pastor and his mom, God, and the family to you, and we just pray, be God in this moment. Lord, bring your healing touch in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Not only did they ask me to come back, they actually asked me to launch a new series, right? The me I want to be. The me I want to be. I mean, that's a complicated statement, right? I mean, I'm 5'8". I'd like to be 6'2". Can we work that out? Uh, you know, I, I grew up feeling like I'm a hobbit in the Shire. All these jokers, six foot, six two, six three. I'm like, how's it look up there? You know, I'm just, I'm down here. But that's not exactly what we're talking about. The me I want to be is the person who God created me to be. The me I want to be is who God spoke into existence, who knit together in my mother's womb, who has a plan for my life. How do I become that guy, right? So part one of this is about, can I really change? Now, here's a loaded question for you. Uh, I remember when I first got married, this August will be 27 years that I have been married to Molly uh, and just loving every minute of it. Yeah, come on. That's for her. Because God gave her a special grace and anointing to put up with me for 27 years. But I remember early on, some friends of ours uh, had, had gotten pregnant. He was my hunting buddy. And we went to go visit them in the hospital. And I remember looking through the glass and seeing his name. This little, his little boy's name was Hunter. right? Molly and I hadn't been married very long. And, and I looked through and I saw Hunter. And I looked at her. And I said, I want one of those. It's like I was picking out a car or something. I, was like, I just knew. I'm like, I want one of those. I knew I wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be a dad. And how many of you believe in praying specific prayers? Right? So I'm specific. So I just said, God, you know my heart's desire. I want to be a dad. 
if you really love me, you'll give me a boy first, right? And this is, this, this is a true story. It, it, not even just, do you love me, give me a boy. I said, Lord, and if it's a boy, he won't interrupt hunting season. Now, you know why I fit in Polk County and who I really am? I, I was duck hunting a lot back though, in those days. My son's birthday fell. He came into this world between the first and second duck season. So I'm like, come on, Jesus. Favor ain't fair. You know how this is. I got my son first, right? Then I said, Lord, if you love me, I want a daughter. I really, God, I really, really want to bring, I want a little girl. Uh, I want to have a daddy's girl. And sure enough, but you know, sometimes God exceeds your prayers, right? He didn't just give me any girl. He gave me my redheaded wonder, right? Madison Summer Owen, she is the joy of my life. But we talk about today uh, this idea of the person I wanted to be. I wanted to be a dad. I did. I really wanted to be a dad. But seven days from now, in Sanford, Orlando, I'm supposed to walk her down the aisle and give her to some other guy. (laughs) Nobody say anything about that. I didn't think that through 20-some years ago. And now I'm looking. So the last couple of weeks, she's packing the house up. She's packing a room up, and she's moving out. I'm like, no, 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 I can't be here for that. <laughs> I'm like, I, don't do that. If you're going to move furniture out, you do that when I'm not here. I can't handle this level of change because in seven days, my baby girl is gone, and my house is empty. She's the last one of my kids to be gone. A little bit of party there. <laughs> I feel good about that, though. I'm sad I'm losing my daughter, but this idea of having my wife to myself, I told the kids, don't be upset if we change the locks. Really, seriously. It's not personal, but I started with her. She's the home team. Y'all are leaving me. Change is tough to deal with, right? Even the things you ask for. I want to be a dad. I want to be a girl dad. Do I have to give her away? No, I love this guy. Trust me, one of my best friends is is in law enforcement, and when she started dating this joker, we did a background check. (laughs) Oh, we scrubbed this fool. For sure, for sure. Social media, we went all the way back. 18 months, 18 months when they started dating. We went back and we looked at all, these, all, all, all the posts. And do you know in 18 months time with this boy, he had only one non-fishing picture. <laughs> and we're looking, and me, me and my buddy, we both fish and we hunt together. We're scrolling. Good, good Lord. Oh, my gosh. It's bigger than the last one. We're going through all this. He's just posting one fish after another. And I remember in that moment, joy hit my spirit. And I said, Lord, I don't know if he knows you, but I'm going to introduce him to you if he doesn't. If he has work ethic and he can fish like this, he's pre-approved to marry my daughter. So I love who he's, she's marrying. And, and Jared, he's a member of FWC, Florida Wildlife Commission, already stationed in Sebring. And we're praying for them. But that level of change, man, that's tough. That's tough on a dad. People have different appetites for change, right? How many of you would say, I'm all right with change. I'm pretty good with change. I mean, I, I, can, I can roll with it. I like it. Come on, let's, let's just be honest. Anybody here just kind of love a little bit of chaos every once in a while? Just to mix things up, just to change things out for those people that are always in their routines. They seem like a machine. They're perfect, right? When I was growing up, they, they told me, pay attention to the girl you're dating. Pay attention to her mother. You marry the mom. People are nodding their heads. Mm-hmm, not in my world. No, 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 no. No, see, my father-in-law, Dr. Hackett, who you probably heard here speak, he is the most disciplined, regimented man I've ever met in my life. I'm just telling you, if you show me a clock and I'll tell you where he's at. Right? In the morning especially. Gets up, Bible before breakfast. 
He works out afterwards, and he has his whole routine. Well, guess what? I married the female version of Dr. Hackett. I think they're actually synced in their clocks or something. She gets up at like ungodly hours of the morning. She has this perfect routine that she goes through every day, never misses it. It's like I've got the Holy Spirit convicting me and my wife every day, right? Those of you that have consistency problems, you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about there, right? So I heard something come out of her mouth the other morning, though, that I've never heard before. And it talks about how people handle change. Um, I'll tell you what she said, then I'll tell you how we got there. It's, it's pre-six o'clock in the morning. I think I'm the only one up. And I turn around and like the ninja Holy Spirit person she is, my wife is like eight inches from my face. And she said, where's the coffee that I put out last night? I said, babe, I, I've, I've made other, other coffee. She looked, don't ever do that again. Now, I don't know about you, but in 27 years of marriage, I haven't heard that very often. Especially pre-six in the morning, she looks at me and I just don't ever do that again. I'm like, coffee? It wasn't, it wasn't, so what, what had happened was this. I got up to go on a flight, and I, I don't like my wife's coffee. I love her, but her coffee tastes like cardboard. Now, I may be a little bit of a snob, right? But I like to measure the beans and weigh them out, and then I f- grind them fresh, and you put them in the coffee pot like it should be with filtered water. I mean, that's how the Lord intended us to do this, unless you're camping in the woods, And so I got up before her, and so I just thought, I'll pull her little filter out, and I'll make my own coffee, and I'll put her filter back in. I'm being a good man, being a good husband, but the filter got caught on the side of the coffee machine, and it ended up all over the floor. So here it goes. There's no no stealth mission now. We're done, because I don't know what coffee she put in there. I'm not going to touch that stuff. So I just went ahead and made the good stuff. That is how my wife started the conversation. She goes, you wasted the coffee that I put. I said, no, baby, I swear it was an accident. I, I, I poured it. She goes, you don't waste anything in my house. But the, what I really, really did was I messed up her routine. She has a, a pattern in the morning of how she connects with God, how she starts her day, and she's routine. People like me have no idea of what that's like. Everybody has a different appetite for change. Some people say, don't move my cheese. Some people say, let's hide it every day. Let's go find it, Right? But the change that I'm talking about this morning isn't about these external things about coffee and morning routines and things like that, these external issues, you know, like wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, getting two two COVID shots versus one COVID shot. What do you, all this change and chaos that's in the world, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that internal change. I'm talking about the change that you actually can speak into as a human being, as a man or a woman and a follower of Christ. You have the capacity to go, I want to be a different person today than I was yesterday. I don't want to keep making the same mistakes. I don't want to keep struggling with the same things. I don't want to be 30 years down the road still struggling with the same sin. Can I break this off of my life and change that pattern? And I'm here to tell you today, yes, you can. Because I'm going to tell you, all of the gospel is about change. The very idea of salvation. We are going down to the grave in the old life and coming up washed anew. We just watched it 17, 18 times this morning, this idea. So the moment I bent my knee and I said, God, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry for for who I am, for what I've done. I know that you died on the cross for me. 
I want to serve you with all of my life. The moment I did that, Scripture says my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That I had a status change, right? Things shifted in me. I went from being lost to what? Found. I was once blind, but now I what? See. I was an enemy of God, and now I'm not just a friend. I'm grafted in. He calls me son. There's this instant change. But here's something that you need to know about how our God works. Some people make the mistake, and they say, oh, I I gave my heart to God. I'm I'm good. I gave my heart to God. They think that salvation is just an event. No, 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 no. The way our God works is there's this instantaneous change of status. His blood purifies all of my sins. I am now found in him. But is he done with me? No, the me that I want to be is the person that he has perfected, the person that he has worked out, the person that he has spoke life into and has shaped me and molded me throughout the years. So salvation is both instantaneous, change of status, but this progressive change of who you and I are as human beings, as followers of Christ. Now here's where we run into the problem. What do you think the biggest roadblock is for our personal change in our lives? Say it. Us. My man, my man put it on his heart. He's like, me, I'm owning this. That's a good man over there. Right? I'm the greatest roadblock to the personal change in my life that God wants to have. Because here's what I've heard over and over again. There's two dangerous things that you can say. Well, that's just how I am. That's just how God made me. Anybody ever have a redhead in their family, you'll know. <laughs> Redheads are different. They are not like anybody else. Right? But you can't just say, well, that's just who I am. Well, you're just going to have to accept me. That's my personality, right? These are dangerous things because what you're saying is I'm satisfied with who I am and, and you should be too. Rather than say, man, God's working on me and I'm growing in faith and grace and love and peace and perseverance and faithfulness. These are things that I want to grow in my life. But more dangerous than this is the other statement. And this one I don't even know how to deal with outside of the Holy Spirit convicting you. I'm good. I don't need to change too much. I'm not as bad as they are. I'm pretty good. Check my tithing record. Y'all care about giving around here? I've been faithful for years, right? This idea that there's no need, there's no room for you to change, that you've somehow arrived at an acceptable place. Can I just say this to you? We will not achieve who God created us to be fully until he takes us home with him or he returns. That stretch in between, we're a work in progress. And it's, how fantastic is that? But here's what I want you, there's a phrase, if you're going to grab a hold of anything today, I didn't give it to the guys on the screen because honestly it came to me yesterday when I was finalizing my thoughts. But if you want to you sum everything that we're going to talk about over the next 15 minutes or so, it's in this phrase. So I'm going to say it two or three times. If you're taking notes, write it down. This is worth, this is worth remembering out of everything I'm going to say, Right? Change isn't about being perfect. It's about being perfected by the only perfect one. Change isn't about being perfect. It's about being perfected by the only perfect one. Because I have people tell me all the time, Chris, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. My history is screaming in my ear, you're this, you're that, you failed, you're this. You'll never be able to do what God called you to do. Let's just take a look at scripture, just real quick. Moses, a murderer on the run with a speech impediment. 
Enter an encounter with God. Hey, I'm just telling you what scripture says. Enter an encounter with God. He confronts the most powerful man in the world and leads a nation out of, uh, out, out of uh, slavery into their future. Okay? Paul, murderer, tracking people down who claim to follow Christ and throwing stones, holding people's jackets while they throw enough rocks at these people that they stop breathing. Let's just get that, that imagery through your head. Has an encounter with the Most High God, changes his very name, writes the majority of the New Testament. Are you kidding me? So you're here and you're in this room and you got more than these guys? No, there's, there's nowhere that you've been. There's nothing you've said. There's nothing you've done that disqualifies you from the love of God that brings about the change inside of you. My favorite is David. He was the runt. No way he was close to 6'2". He wouldn't even fit in Saul's armor. He was a hobbit like me. He's my, he's my clan. He's with me. He had to be, they said he was just so short, they didn't even think the prophet would want to see him. They left him in the field. Right? If you know the story, the prophet came to their house, was going to anoint the next king, was going to do something spectacular. And Jesse, David's dad, said, ah, don't even worry about him. He's just the runt. And the prophet goes, who I'm looking for right here? You got any more boys? And they called him back in. So here's David, the runt of the litter, overlooked, becomes the hero of the story that kills the giant, that delivers his people, moves on to be a great king and a writer, right? Who's now credited as being a man after God's own heart. Have you seen the rest of his story? He killed people. He took their wives. He had his ups and his downs. Salvation and change is not about being perfect. It's about being perfected by the only perfect one. Right? Yes. Yeah. So dad, husband, young man, young woman, don't care what season of life you're in. There's one more step for you to take in becoming like Jesus. There's one more step that you can take and let God deal with you. The only real question that we're looking at now is, how's God do it? Is there a way that you and I can look at today that unpacks for us how God changes us? And I believe that there is. Because I know this, that I've watched and read about some superhuman people. Lynn Cox, story of a long-distance swimmer. If you've never read it, you need to read it. It is a story of a woman who defies just all the physics of where she swam and how long she swam. You've watched these athletes, that uh, David Goggins, that uh, I wouldn't recommend that because there's probably too much language in there for anybody. When you hear his story and what he's done physically, uh, when you set your mind to do something as a human being, you can do some incredible things, but you're limited to the following tools. Your will, your discipline, and your physical capacity. Okay? By yourself, you've set your limit. But when you lean in and you, you partner with God, all those limits come off. Because now you are in partnership for change with the one who spoke this world into existence, who hung the stars and the moon. And he says, I want your discipline. I want your physical effort. I want your determination because you're going to need it to partner with my divine spirit to be who I've created you to be. Another, another, another phrase that's not on the screen for you, but it's just out of my heart. Listen, the me you want to be, right? The me I want to be will never happen unless I have God's full participation 
and my full participation. You can't have one or the other, y'all. It's this divine dance. We got to meet Jesus where he is and go, you'll have the best of me. And God, when I fall short, you're gonna, your spirit's going to lift me up. And you're going to bring about the change that's going to set the course for my family. Some of you in this room, you didn't grow up with a godly father. You're going to hear me talk about mine in just a second. Because he gave me one of the most precious gifts I could ever have received. Some of you didn't have that. Guess what? You can either be a victim and say, I didn't know my dad. Or you can go, I'm going to be the dad I always wanted to have. And I just believe that when you get a hold of God, it changes your perspective. And so with this, this, let's talk about how does God change me? First thing is this. He uses scripture. He uses the Bible. I hesitated making this statement in the first service. I will not hesitate making it in the second service. The single greatest thing you can do to become more like Jesus, the single greatest, most powerful tool that is available to us is scripture. Why? Because it's living, breathing, and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's spirit is in it. It's not a book that we're reading. It's the voice of God. It is translating to us. In fact, 2 Timothy says this about it. 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Listen to that. All scripture is both inspired and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. You want to know what's going right in your life? You want to know what's going wrong in your life? Grab a hold of scripture. Start to read it. Man, it will help you understand right and wrong. And I'm I'm sorry, but there is right and wrong. It isn't a matter of personal opinion. God sets forth behavior and character and motives that are pure and holy and just. And it's our job to grab a hold of those. It also goes on and says God uses it. In fact, it goes, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The single greatest gift my father ever gave me. I don't know what your Saturday morning looked like, but this is my Saturday morning growing up. I roll downstairs and get the Frosted Flakes. I like Frosted Flakes. To this day, they're still my favorite. Probably the worst thing in the world you could have. Not sure where my mother was in all this process, but I would pour myself the biggest bowl I'm talking like popcorn-sized bowl, right? I'm not chunky by accident. I worked at this, okay? And I would put the Frosted Flakes, and then I would pour sugar on top of the Frosted Flakes because there wasn't enough in them. Anybody else? I had a guy in the first, yes, come on, girl. Yes, there's something about the seat you're sitting in, too. I had two people in the front row like, that's me, bro. I'm I'm with you right now, right? Uh, And I would sit here, and I'd watch Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is my thing. Back in the day, some of you you don't even know about it, but it was just my deal, right, Scooby-Doo. And almost every Saturday morning, whether it was spring or summer, I'd be downstairs, that's how I'd start. And I would see my dad walking back and forth outside, right? I'm a little kid, I don't think nothing about it. Dad's just outside, walking back and forth, acting like he's talking to himself. And you say it out loud now, dad seems to have some problems with his life, <laughs> right? Unless you explain it, right? Pops is just walking back. I'm not talking about a little bit. I'm talking about like an hour, hour and a half. He's just walking back and forth talking. When I got a little older, this didn't change. He'd be me outside, he might be in his office, and I began to realize what he was doing. But I wanted to ask him one day. So I, I slid, slid the sliding door open. And I said, Pop, what are you doing? He goes, I'm memorizing scripture, son. I said, oh, what are you memorizing? He goes, oh, the book of Romans. I said, what? He goes, yes, son, the book of Romans. He said, you got to put God's word in your heart. He said, it's the greatest thing that will help you, you know, uh, to do what he's called you to do. My dad was memorizing entire books of the Bible. 
This is my pops to this day, right? I'll call him up when I'm preaching somewhere. I'm like, hey, dad, I'm preaching all the time. You can hear the excitement in his voice. He's like a, a human concordance. Like, oh, son, do you know that the scripture talks about that over here too? My dad taught me from the earliest, earliest time I can remember. The most precious gift that you could hide in your heart is God's word. You want to become who he's called you to be? You want to be the me I want to be? Can I, can I really do it? No, not without scripture. Right? So now I'm going to get picky with you. I'm going to get picky with you. You can memorize scripture and it still do you no good. You can memorize scripture and understand exactly what it means to you and it still do you no good. But oh, if you memorize it and you understand it and have the courage to live it out in real time, something magical happens. God comes alive inside of you and transforms the way you think from the ground up, how you see other people. It is a priority church. I'm telling you, salvation and change is not about being perfect. It's about being perfected by the only perfect one, which is impossible unless you're listening to his voice. Man, maybe that's the change that you need to make this year. Ramp up the scripture in your life. Maybe not the consumption of it. We're great at consuming it, right? I like to listen to it. I'm a verbal, verbal processor, a verbal learner. I like to have it playing in my truck, right, when I'm driving. But maybe the change this year is to go, I want to make a commitment that whatever I read, I'm going to live within 24 hours to the best of my ability. I ain't asking nobody to be a martyr in here. Calm down. Relax. Right? But when you understand the principles of what God is speaking to you, the last key for transformation is obedient behavior. I'm telling you right now, God's love language is obedience. He says it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. God's word. You know, you have a pastor that's very similar to my father. So... Uh, everybody knows Pastor Blackburn, or maybe you don't know, he serves on the board at Southeastern University where I work. And a couple years ago, we were facing a, an external challenge that really could have, could have put us on our heels. There's some things that were coming down that were just had us really, really concerned. And I called him. We called him. We said, hey, will you come over? We want to meet with you. Here's the situation. Here's what's going on. Now, if you've had any interaction with our pastor, you know he's larger than life. He's typically funny. He's always kind of in this, to me, when I'm around him, he's always in this kind of jovial mood. He's picking. He walked into my office like we were about to go to a barroom brawl. He walks through my door in my office, and he goes, y'all ready? You boys ready? I love it when he calls us boys. You boys ready? I'm looking. I'm like, yes, sir. What are, we, what, are we, what are we ready for? He said, well, you said we had a problem. We're going to pray. We're going to pray right now. And all of a sudden, he didn't ask. It's the last thing he says. He hits his knees, puts his face in one of my chairs, and starts calling out to God. And leaves the rest of us looking at each other like a bunch of kids that don't know what to do. Like, I guess I'm going to pray too. Then I'm, you know. <laughs> and you've got, you've got this man of God who has this understanding, his first reaction, because the Bible said, man, and everything, right, with prayer and supplication, get after it. Ask me. If you want to really change and become who God's created you to be, God's word has to be a priority in your life. The second thing he uses is this. He provides us with his Holy Spirit. Right? He uses scripture to transform how we think. 
Right? The Bible says don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is. How do you transform your mind? By his word. But then he gives you his spirit. How about this? Salvation. This is another thought. It's not on the screen for you, but I think it's got some weight behind it. Salvation isn't just the invitation to accept Christ. It's the impartation of his spirit so that we can actually follow Christ. Let me say that again. Salvation isn't just the invitation to accept Christ. It is the impartation of his spirit so that we can actually follow him. Romans 8.11 says this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed. You have the power to change when you engage God's word and you partner with God's spirit. I love what Jesus said to his crew before he left. I gotta go. I can't stay here. I know you want me to, but I cannot. I have to go that another may come and he will bring into your remembrance all the things that I have spoken to you, everything that I've taught to you. I love the fact that Jesus goes, I appreciate the personal connection, but my spirit can be everywhere all at one time and it can work throughout all peoples. And he didn't leave us. He didn't just call us and say good luck. He gave us his spirit, the same one that the grave couldn't hold down. He said, I got that spirit and I'm giving it to you, church. And that's what you and I have to lean into. Don't do it on your own. Don't do it on your own. You know, one of the greatest temptations for you is when, we, you know, I don't know if you realize this, I'm always closer to God in my struggles than I am in my victories. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to confound, I'm going to be who I am, y'all don't have to, well, you have to love me or you're going to hell, that's between you and Jesus, but I'm not your regular pastor, so I'm just going to be me and, and just confess my sins, and if you think less of me, then, then good, good on you, you've probably got it all figured out. My thing is, when I start winning a lot, I start thinking I'm kind of a big deal. You ever been there? Like, I got this. I'm on a roll right now, right? And, and you start to engage in things where you used to go, eh, let me pray about this real quick. Father, would you lead me and guide me? Give, me? give me some discernment in this situation. You start to say, oh, I've been here before. I can do this, right? And you start to drift and wander away from the God who said, no, my spirit will guide you. My spirit will bring into your remembrance. Lean into my spirit. So he changes us by his word. He gives us his spirit. The third thing that he uses to transform us is our experiences. There are encounters that you and I are going to have in our life, right? Some of them are negative. How many of you have experienced going through a crisis and you found yourself on your knees calling out to God like you've never called out before, like, I need you, right? I'm just telling you that, and sometimes it's crisis that brings us to that place. Other times, it's an encounter with a godly man or woman that speaks truth into you in such a way it changes you for the rest of your life. Has anybody else, has anybody else experienced that? You had an encounter with a man or a woman that they spoke some level of truth to you on a personal level that it changed you for the rest of your life. If you've been around me, you've ever heard me speak, you've heard this phrase, and you've probably heard this story, and I don't apologize for that because I'm not just saying, oh, this guy changed my life. He changed my life. And it was the Spirit of God through him using this moment to, to teach me something. 
And it was this. You are a unique expression of God that doesn't exist anywhere else on this planet. And as I give value to you, I give value to your creator. Right? You've probably heard me say that. If you follow me, if not, then, then, then here's where that came from. I'm on staff in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We'd shut down the church for a week. We're ministering to the city. We were downtown in the old federal courthouse building, cutting hair of homeless people, helping uh, people right out of prison with their job descriptions and, and how to give an, uh, uh, an interview and getting clothes for them and just, just ministering to people like straight felt needs. And there was worship band that was playing, and, and there's this guy, this guy that changed my life. He was the mayor of Clemens, North Carolina. His name's John Bost. Walks across the room, and I see John, and he just, he hits right in my space right when the worship stops. And I said, hey, John, how, how, how'd you like to worship? And he goes, I, I don't believe in worship. You ever have that thought moment where Jesus is about to spank you in public? And you're right, you just know something godly's coming. I'm like, all right, I bite John, what you got? And he put his arm around me and he pointed across the room. And the reason why I know who he pointed to is that we had our storytellers there and we had taken a before and after photo of this, this homeless guy. His name was Wolf, his street name. That's all I know, his name's Wolf. So imagine this skinny 6'1 guy. All these guys are 6'1, right? 6'6'1, six, six, tall guy, skinny, long gray beard, this weathered leather cowboy hat, the brim's all messed up. And he's got two bags under his arms. And John points him out across the room. He says, You see that man? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, that's a, unique, that's a unique expression of God that doesn't exist anywhere else on the planet. And as I give value to him, I give value to his maker. He said, I don't believe in worship. I believe in worship. And when I acknowledge who God's created, I treat all people. In that single moment, his words and the spirit of Christ changed me forever. It changed how I view you and you and you and you. See, I was, a, I was a, at that time... I was a project-driven leader. I didn't care what it cost me. I was going to get the job done, right? And so people were objects to be used to get the job done. They weren't expressions of God to be cherished and honored. Does that make sense? And it shifted something inside of me for the rest of my life that now when I come upon someone, even when they're not like me or they're, they're, they're just radically different, I look and go, you're a unique, in my head, you're a unique expression of God. How can I honor you? How can I acknowledge that? And what now my life has been marked with are these moments like John. Because as I said, the me I want to be, I want to be like John. I want to roll up on somebody, not trying to be pretentious, and sense God in a moment and speak truth to them in a way they'll talk about me for the next 20, 30 years because the Spirit used me in a humble way to change them. It's okay to want that, y'all. It's okay to want to be used by the Spirit. This is just family talk here. We just, it's just table talk, Right? It's okay to be one, to be used by the Spirit. And so John changed me. Why? Because now what I want to be known for is calling the God out of people. Man, if you get in my circle and I get to coach you, I get to be around you, it's what I want them to leave, whether you're with me for five months or five years, I want them to go, that joker called God out of me, and he opened up doors and he gave me opportunities. He didn't use me to get the job done. He opened a door and spoke life into me. Does that make sense? So, man, here's how God uses. Here's how he changes us. He gives us his word to change the way we think. He gives us his spirit to teach us, to guide us, to empower us, to embolden us. And then he allows us to walk into circumstances that may almost break us or encourage us. But you don't serve a God who's watching in some theater room. 
You serve a God that's walking with you. The scripture said there's not a shadow of turning in him. He said, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. There is nowhere you and I can go that our God doesn't walk with us. So if we know the me I want to be is who God designed me to be. We ask the question, can I change? 100% unequivocally it can happen, but I have to dance with the divine. I have to be a part of this. How does God work in this, this partnership? He works through the Bible, through the Spirit, and through circumstance. How then do you and I play our part in change? Number one, here it comes. We choose, we can choose what to think about. Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts, right? Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Romans 12.2, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. Now, I am not all of a sudden turning legalistic. I'm not doing, I'm not any of those things. But, but if you're going to take this as, 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 as truth, actionable, how can I partner with God in becoming who he's created me to be? I get to choose what I think about. Therefore, you have to be careful and give thought to what you look at, to what you listen to, to who you're around, for what period of time that is. Why? Because they're influencing how you think. It comes back to this whole idea. How did God say, here's how I'm going to change you? I'm going to change you through my word right? So what can help me change what I think about? His word. You want to know what terrifies me the most about seven days from now in my daughter's wedding? It ain't walking her down the aisle. I'm good with that. I like this kid. It ain't the fact that I'm preaching the ceremony. Yeah, you want to take bets whether I'm going to make through that and not crying my eyes out? It's the daddy-daughter dance. I'm just telling you right now, I can't dance my way out of a paper bag. The anxiety of dancing in front of people, I'm like, Lord, whatever it is that people have that can dance, I think is rhythm or something, I don't have that, right? So I'm looking at this whole thing, and I'm talking to someone else about this. I'm thinking through this, and I'm like, bro, I don't, I don't know how to dance. We're going to do that middle school little shuffle thing. That's really where we're going to start, right? Just hands and people laughing on me in the front. I'm just telling you, this is it. There's going to be no choreographed dance. And this guy goes, Dude, you're overthinking it. Relax. He's like, three things. Find the rhythm. He said, you're a musician. You can find the rhythm. Find the rhythm. He said, second, move your feet. Just move your feet. Don't overthink this. Move your feet. He said, third, trust your partner. I said, well, thanks for taking something I think so terrifying and making it sound like it's the easiest thing in the world. He goes, well, I didn't say easy. I've seen you dance before. But trust me, it's a start for you. And the moment he says that, I start thinking about, man, wait a minute, this is my relationship with God. I can't do it on my own, right? I have to find the rhythm of God's word. And when he's just speaking life into me of like, I want you on a daily basis to lean into my spirit, to lean into the word, move your feet. God responds to obedient action. Just start moving towards him. And the third part's the easiest, just trust your partner. He created everything. He's not going to mess it up. And if he does, he can fix it. Right? This idea of how we partner with God 
is I choose what I think about. And when I enter this into a dance and this idea that, God, I'm partnering with you. I'm not on my own on this. I'm not limited by what gifts and abilities you've given me. I have your spirit inside of me. That's the second thing is this. We can choose to remain in him. We can choose to remain in him. You say, what do you mean? It's one thing to control what you think about. It's the other thing is to continuously move towards God. I want to cultivate in my life a real and deep dependence upon his spirit. Stop wandering away thinking I can do this on my own. And in everything that I do, I ask God, will you guide me by your spirit? John 15, 4 through 5 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Fruitful, nothing. Fruitful, nothing. Thank you for agreeing. This idea that I get to partner with God is just that simple. Lord, I need you. I asked one of our worship leaders the other day, I said, what are you listening to these days? So he, he texted me about a week later and he said, hey, here's my prayer list right now. And there's a song out of Elevation called Jira. I don't know if you've, if you've heard or see it, but pastor was actually texting me on the way in like, hey, just encouraging me. And I'm like, bro, I'm having church on the way to church right now. Uh, the, the presence of God was in my car. I'm listening to this music. And you just have this sense that God is working. You ever have that moment? Hey, nobody else around. This ain't something that's happened. This is just God rolling up in your car going, hey, I got you. The sense of his presence. Man, there, you can cultivate a dependence on this. Not the feeling, but the reality. God, I, I trust you. I'm going to lean into your words. I'm going to think about the things you've called me to think on. I'm going to rely upon your spirit. And the last thing we can do is really how we choose to respond to life's challenges. It's how you and I choose to respond to the challenges this world throws at us. Romans 5, 3 through 4. We also have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience and patience produces character and character produces hope. We have access to peace that makes no sense to those without faith. When I said, uh, said to you, you know, the first service, my whole world is changing, right? So about a month ago, um, my mom's health, uh, this October, coming October will be two years ago, um, they told her, said, you have, a, uh, you have about a 20% chance to be here in a year from now, right? Pulmonary hypertension, hardening of the lungs. Uh, she's a hot mess medically. We love her. Mom, if you're watching, love you. Um, but she was, we were thinking she may have to have a surgery uh, about two months ago. And so I didn't call her and tell her, Mom, I'm not sure you're going to make it through surgery, so I'm coming to see you. I was like, I'm going home because I'm not sure she was strong enough. And this idea of wrestling through uh, the greatest woman you've ever known, letting her go. That sucks. What's interesting about it, though, is we have 
not an ordinary family. I've got a family full of crazy people who believe Jesus brings comfort in the worst possible times. So when we get these bad reports and things are swinging like crazy, like, I don't know what's happening, you know, and I get up there and we find more things that were wrong with her. Not one time do I see my father, my sister, or anybody else break down, lose it, like, oh my gosh, you know, everybody's like operating out of this peace that doesn't make sense unless you know who Jesus really is. Church, don't miss a moment to let God speak peace to you in some crazy times, right? Things are going to happen that are outside of your control. What can you control? How I respond. I can curl up in a ball, be depressed, be angry. God, why are you letting this happen? Or I can look and go, Father, you are in control of all of this. Would love for you to heal her right now. And let's make this thing happen. Let's keep this thing going for a little bit longer. Right? And that's what's happening right now. We're like, all right, let's go. But God, whatever it is, I'm not going to have one regret. I'm not going to have one missed moment. I'm going to honor you in this. You're going to give me this crazy peace. And I'm going to love my mom and love my family through this moment. Telling you, church, it isn't some fairy tale we, we hear other people talk about. The same God that said, let there be light, is available to you. He can bring peace in your troubled times. He can speak peace to the storms of your life. And so as the band comes, I want to remind you, go ahead and stand to your feet. Sorry for sniffling in your ears, but when I cry, my nose starts to run. and It's just God's way of keeping me humble. (laughs) I said to you earlier, change isn't about being perfect. It's about being perfected by the only perfect one. If you're here and you're in the room today and you'd say, man, Chris, would you just pray for me? Uh, there's some change that needs to happen in my life. And, and I've gone round and round on my own and I've never been able to break this one thing off, right? I've been struggling with something for a while and I know it's not the me I wanna be. It's not who God created me to be. I want this gone out of my life. If that's you, just slip your hand up right where you are. Doesn't mean you're weak, just means you're real. Yep, 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 yep. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for you, right? As a whole church, we're going to lift our voice, and we're simply going to pray that God would lead you through a transformational change over the next day, week, month, that this thing would be broken off, that you would no longer be struggling with it, that that weight would be gone, that the voice of the enemy would be out of your ear telling you what you can't do, and all you would hear is Scripture telling you who you really are, which is an overcomer, a conqueror, a victor, right? A priest and a king. Let's pray. Father, you you said this was it. That when we were faced with challenges, adversities, illnesses of all sorts, if we would simply stop and lean into your spirit, which is always with us, and simply pray, God, would you deliver me? God, would you answer me? Lord, we pray that with our family, our brothers and our sisters in Christ. We pray that right now, and we ask, God, would you help them break off these habits and things that that need to change out of their life that are keeping them from taking that next step towards you. Lord, let them partner with you. God, give them a hunger and a thirst for your word. 
like never before. God, let them be aware of your spirit that's working in them and cooperate, God. And Lord, when they are come up to these experiences or, or circumstances, they would make the choice. I choose Christ regardless of how I feel. I choose hope regardless of how desperate it is. I choose peace regardless of the turmoil. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the sound we would hear at Victory Church is the sound of chains breaking off that have been holding people down for years. Father, I pray over my family this morning and I simply ask you this. Would you give us a hunger for your word like never before? Not just to read it or hear it talk about it, but to truly understand and then to live it out. Father, I pray that over Victory Church today, that we would be a people who simply did their best partnering with you, Lord, to live out scripture in real time in our homes, our offices, Lord, wherever we may be. God, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, hey, there's some really fantastic people down here that believe God can do anything. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to, if you need to go, get after it. It is raining like crazy outside. Uh, Maybe a good day to linger for a minute. They're going to sing over us. And if you need or want prayer, man, come down here. These people love you. They're trustworthy. And they're simply going to agree with you that God would do great things in your life. But man, God bless you. 